Life Audio. Oh, darling, take heart and remember it's just a stage. Oh, darling, take heart and remember to turn the page. Welcome to Unfiltered Parenting with Abby Johnson and Reagan Long, where we proudly deliver the real deal of parenting to y'all, completely unfiltered. And today, welcome, oh, welcome, yes. welcome. I'm really excited, Abby, because today we're going to do a deep dive into who you are. Who is Abby Johnson, and who is Reagan Long? I'm so I'm so freaking excited. It's it's gonna be fun for for I mean who are these people listening to us? Really? They're gonna get an earful today. You know? Yes. Yes. I I mean whether they wanna know all about us or not, (laughs) they're getting it. And it's gonna be awesome. We're we are so excited to have this show. We have wanted to have a show. Reagan and I have wanted to have a podcast forever. And now it's finally happening and we're just yes. so pumped about it. We're so pumped. Yeah. yeah. And, and it's going to be good. We have a lot to say. <laughs> we <laughs> haven't <laughs> noticed. There's just always something to say. <laughs> we have a lot to say. So, and people, and we, have what's, we have a lot of kids. So we have, we have a lot to say. We about do. About kids. Yes. 13. Wait. Yeah. 13, I was doing my math. 13 between eight, eight us both. 8 plus 5? 8 plus 5. Yes, I was like, 13. wait, that's right. <laughs> yes, so stay tuned. Before we get into this deep dive, here is a quick word from our sponsors. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-497-4410. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in, anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-497-4410. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-497-4410. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. All right, we are back. And what I love, and and I just have to say this, and Abby always... Uh, everybody knows who Abby Johnson is. She's a big wig, right? And I always tell this story and she just laughs and rolls her eyes. But before we talk about who's Abby Johnson and who is Reagan Log, I, I have to say it's funny because when Abby and I partnered together a couple years ago, um, 
at the real deal of parenting. You know, I, I had kind of taken off and grown as just, oh, that stressed mom who's exhausted and writes those <laughs> blogs. Like people really didn't know who I was, but it was like that tired looking, exhausted, stressed mom. I relate with her. They didn't put Reagan long with it. It was like that tired, stressed mom. She's always got that messy bun. Yeah, the messy bun with the messy bun. And, and then when Abby, uh, you know, when we partnered, it, it slightly put me on the map. And so I was like, it, it was kind of cool. So the kids and I would be out at church or, you know, at Target or somewhere. And, and I, I would have to laugh because I would get my 10 seconds of fame where someone would come up and they'd be like, Oh my goodness, are you Reagan Long? And I'd smile and I'd be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And the kids would kind of like roll their eyes like, oh boy, here we go. <laughs> and, then, and then they'd be like, oh, I, you know, I love following you. I mean, I only know who you are because of Abby Johnson. I, only because of Abby. But you're great too. <laughs> oh gosh. Hey, that's not true. Okay, wait a minute. What Reagan doesn't tell you is that Reagan was, I mean, she was like, she had some piece at like motherly that had like 50,000 gazillion views. And she like wrote for all these like big things that you, I don't know. I don't read mom blogs, so I don't even know what they are, but she like (laughs) wrote at like all the mom blogs and everybody read her stuff. And so she, she acts like she was like, didn't have a voice or whatever, but like you wrote at all the mom places that I don't read. And and, and people, people knew who you were. And the stressed, exhausted mom. If they were in the mom space, like they, they knew who you were and, and you've written books and whatever. But I mean, but no, it's just what's so great and what y'all are going to find out. Abby and I are so crazy alike and yet we're so crazy different too in so many ways. So she and I are like peanut butter and jelly that just, we fit together so great, and yet we're wildly different. Um, That's true. And we've also had, and what I love and what I want to give our listeners today, Abby, um, because you and I are very sarcastic and we're very serious and we're very vulnerable and we're extremely lighthearted. We're truly everything wrapped up in one. We, we just really are. That's just our personalities. Um, but we've also had completely different upbringings. Mm-hmm. And yet, and despite completely different childhoods, we both value the same things. Mm -hmm. We're both intentional about the same things. We have the same morals. And so I think that's really, really interesting too. Um, So Yeah, it is. So so tell tell people, Ray, tell people like about you. So you, you were a teacher, yeah. So I, this all is, is haphazardly like a, a fallen into our lap. So Abby and I, you know, we are, our parenting page, we have, you know, almost 650,000 followers. Um, I went to college to be a teacher. I have a dual credential in elementary and special ed. I love children. And that's, my heart was just on fire for it. I just, 
I, I knew I was in the right profession. And then I had my first child and everything changed. Um, as soon as I had our first Kendall, I only wanted to be at home. Like my focus completely shifted. And then it was this mom guilt that while I was at school teaching, I was only thinking about my daughter at home. Mm-hmm. And when I was at home, I was worried that I'm behind on work. I, what, what do I need to get done and prep for tomorrow and my students? And so I, I found I just, I was struggling whether I was at home or at, at work. I always felt guilt. Did and, you ever feel like, like, when you were, I don't know, younger, like, did you ever think, oh, I definitely, I'm going to be a stay at home mom. Like, this is what I want to do when I get, when I have kids. Oh my gosh. I, I absolutely, that was the end goal for me because I, I'm also, and I'm pretty vocal about this now. Now you were different, Abby. You and Doug and your calling and your ministry is completely different because the whole world needs you and you travel everywhere. But I would say for 99% of cases, I am so biblical in the fact that I feel if that is what God is calling the, the wife and mother to do, to be at home and to raise her children, then that is how it should be. And unfortunately... The feminist movement has destroyed that. Um, This economy has made it nearly impossible. And so I think that's probably the top reason my writing took off and so many mothers from around the world resonated with me because I shared that pain. I had Mm -hmm. to pass babies over as a new, they were newborns because I had to go back to work to pay the bills. And even with my income, I mean, we were just, we're just like, Lord, just please don't let us go under this month. Like, please don't let us, like, let all the bills be paid. Let our groceries be bought. And then yeah. that's what we were shooting for with, with, with two incomes. And, um, and so I, I did, I always wanted to be at home once I had children. And then I had four babies in six years. And so <laughs> that made things really, really, Tricky, tricky financially. Um, I was, you know, in my marriage, I was very resentful of my husband because all I wanted to do, I, I was like, we have these toddlers and a newborn and we're paying all this money for daycare basically for just to me to go to work, just my salary. Yeah. 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 Daycare's astronomical. It's like paying for college. And so that caused so many issues you know, in, in our marriage and in our family. And, and I just, all I wanted to do was be at home and just be with these little babies that I, that I grew in my, in my womb. And, um, so I had four babies in six years and before I had my fifth, there was a gap, but, um, my piece that really took off that, that kind of somewhat put me on the map is, is a mom blogger was I wrote a piece to Obama, um, talking about passing over my very new baby. And I remember it was, it, can you believe it or not, Abby? This was for the Huffington Post. I wrote yeah. for the liberal 
Huff yeah, yeah. Post. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Scary mom. Yes. I wrote yeah. for scary mommy before it was yeah. like satanic, evil, liberal, you know. Scary, yeah. Scary mommy is now just scary. <laughs> scary. It's scary. Yeah. But I remember I submitted it to an editor at HuffPost. I barely glanced it over my edits. And I remember thinking that was the biggest mistake. Oh my gosh, I wrote it. I was bawling. I was angry. I, yeah. I was in pain. And those are the pieces that people resonate with. Yeah. And I remember I woke up the next morning and I kept clicking the mouse button. And I've never experienced anything like this in my life. Every time I clicked it, it was like another 10,000 10, shared, another 10,000 shared. And moms from around the world felt my pain because they were living the same thing. Yeah. You know, barely making ends meet, working multiple jobs, wanting to just be home with their babies. And so, so again, I feel like for me, what I've just done, and this is how haphazardly this grew, I started writing these Facebook posts, which turned into blogs for other sites. And then eventually, you know, started our site, The Real Deal of Parenting. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I say, the things, which you do too, and this is where we're so alike, we say the things that everybody else is thinking, that they're afraid to say, right? And it's not all sunshine and rainbows. And and I put, I've been pretty blunt with, with what I've gone through in motherhood and you know, the amazing miracles and the depression and the stress and the exhaustion. And oh my gosh, I'm messing this, this up. This is the hardest thing in the world. And some days it's like, I'm a rock star and I want another baby. And other days it's like, Lord, how could you entrust me with five human beings? Like how, you know, I think though, honesty, like, I feel like that's what our society is craving so desperately right now. And I just went to a conference last week, I think, or two weeks ago. I don't know. Uh, my weeks run together, but I was at a conference recently, and uh, there were it was family. It was it was a family conference, and so I was there with a bunch of families. And uh, there weren't really there weren't kids in the room. It was just the parents, but. They were asking about just, they wanted me to talk about just kind of marriage and family and not my usual like pro-life talk I give. And so I was just, I was talking about like being a mom and, you know, I don't know why, but just, I don't know, like something just, I, I had very, very serious postpartum depression after my, the birth of my oldest daughter, Grace, she's 16 now, and it ended up turning into postpartum psychosis. And I, you know, in my talk, I just felt kind of led to, to start talking about that. I just was like, you know, when I had her, I, I didn't want her. Um, I, I had a, I, I, I loved, you know, having her in my belly, like that was cool. And I, you know, I liked being pregnant. I liked feeling her moving around in there, but I remember delivering her. And I remember that moment being in the delivery room and they handed her to me and I did not want her. I was like, somebody else hold this baby. I, and I remember thinking, I'm just tired. You right. know, I just had a 16 hour delivery. 
I'm just, I'm just exhausted and I'm hungry and I want a flipping ham sandwich. And (laughs) that's why, you know, and that's why I don't want to hold her right now. And, and so I kind of like me, you know, I was kind of like trying to justify it. Why don't I want to hold my baby? Right. Like it doesn't make, make sense. And then, um, you know, they put me in my postpartum room and then it's just like, you, your baby, and your husband, you know, or your partner. Yeah. And I was, you know, I was in the room and, you know, they're wanting you to breastfeed your baby, bond with your baby, hold your baby all the time. And I was just like, I, you know, you can take her to the nursery. It's fine. Like, she doesn't need to be in here all the time. And I just remember feeling like there was this cloud of doom, like sitting over me the whole time. I cried the whole time. I was in my postpartum room. I, I did not, my mom, you know, would come to visit. My parents come to visit. I would just cry. I did not want them to leave. I've, you know, I was like a child. I felt like a child. I felt like a six-year-old who did not want their mom to leave. I just wanted her to like crawl in the hospital bed with me. Right. You know, and just stay with me. Um, and I cried when we, when they were like, okay, like you ready to go home? I was like, no, like for the love of God, I just want to stay in the hospital forever. And you know, and so I'm talking about this. I'm talking, I mean, I'm just being very like vulnerable. I remember one night, um, you know, Grace was crying. Of course she was colicky, right? Because always when you have postpartum, you have a colicky baby. Sure. And um, I had this, you know, terribly colicky baby. She's crying, crying, crying. Doug is dead to the world, sleeping, of course. He doesn't know what the heck is going on. And um, and I was just at my wit's end, and I remember putting her in the car and driving in the middle of the night. It was like, I don't know, 2 or 3 in the morning, and I'm driving, and I was driving so fast down the highway. I was like driving over 100 miles an hour, she was screaming in the back seat, probably, I don't know, she was probably like two, three months old. I had the music up so loud so that I could not hear her um, crying. And I just remember like coming to an overpass and I just, I sat there thinking, I'm, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna run my car off this, off this overpass. And because I'm a terrible mom, I don't feel like I love my child and, and she's going to have a crap mom and that's terrible. And so it's just better for both of us if we're just not here anymore. And I could just envision myself doing it, just driving Mm -hmm. off this bridge, you know, and I don't know, like just in in like a split second, I just had this moment of clarity, like, no, Abby, like you can't, you cannot do that. And I just, I got out of the car, I turned the music off, I got out of the car and I just screamed like as loud as I could on the side of the road. I just took a minute, kind of got myself back together. I got back in the car. Miraculously, she was not crying anymore, probably because I turned the music off. Um, <laughs> yeah. 
And um, and then I drove back home. I woke Doug up, and I was like, "You have to take her. Like, I have to get some sleep." And he took her. I, you know, I went to bed, and but I suffered like that for a year without mm. telling people because you don't want people to know that you right. don't have it together, right? So I'm sharing this at this conference and I'm looking out at like hundreds of people in this conference room looking out and there's women like bawling their faces off, right? Yeah. And I'm just thinking there are so many women that are struggling in our in our nation in our culture they're struggling quietly because who really wants to say out loud i just didn't love my baby when i had them right. i i just i didn't bond with them i wasn't a good mom i you know i i just i didn't feel connected um you know i was just i was just crap I was just not okay. I was not, I was sick. Right. You know, I, I, I wanted to kill myself and kill my baby. I had images of throwing grace against the wall and I would just have to walk out of the room, you know, and it wasn't that I really wanted to hurt her. It's just mental illness. And, you know, and I had to get medicated for it eventually, but nobody wants to say those things out loud. But I think because we're not saying them, that's why so many people are hurting. That's why so many people are struggling because nobody's willing to just be honest and just say the hard things. And and I think we live in a society where women are scared to talk to their doctors because they're scared they're going to call CPS on them and then they're going to have, you know, CPS agent come to their door and take their baby away, which has actually happened in some situations. And, you know, you don't want to tell your friends because you don't want your friends to be like, oh my gosh, like, did you hear about Susan? She wants to throw her baby up against the wall, right? Like, right. And we're just, we're not, because we're not living in community with one another. Everybody is so isolated and, and we're not doing life well together. No, no, that's And that's really how we're meant to do life. We're meant to do life in community together as believers, as a body of Christ. Like we're meant to share each other's burdens, right? Yes. That's what we're meant to do, but we're not. And I think some of it is pride. I think some of it is just the, the world that we're living in because we're so separated, right? Like even in proximity, like in location to each other, you used to, it was like your mom and daddy and your sisters and brothers and your aunts and uncles, your cut, you all like lived on the same road. Right. You know, I'm even thinking, Abby, I'm thinking in Kanto, the movie, the children's movie. Like, I wish it could be like that. The grandparents, I mean, maybe not all the time, but you have the help. The grandparents, the aunts, the uncles, they all, you all help. It's a community. It's a family. It's not perfect. But could you even imagine if that, if, if that's how it was, how much easier it would be? And, and to piggyback upon what you're saying, 
I also think we've the, our, this new culture, this modern era, era, it's just so fast paced. We don't have time. We, there's yeah. no time. There's no time for a breakdown. There's at least that's how I feel. I mean, I've battled anxiety and depression since, since I, since my first childhood memories, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, of course I didn't know it at the time, but so yeah. I feel like I've battled it my entire life. And I am a, I have, again, this is, this is not diagnosed. I've said that I, I feel like I'm a high functioning introvert. I'm a high functioning, most people can't tell I have anxiety or depression because mm-hmm. I can put, I, I can turn it up. I can turn it on. Right. Sure. But I feel like there's times where life with the kids and just the lifestyle and all the sports and all the commitments we've made that there's times I just want to sit in the car and cry for like five minutes and I don't have the five minutes. I have seven seconds to get out of the vehicle to get to wherever we're going next. And so it's like, there's not, we don't even allow ourselves this time to, to rest, to heal, you know? And then there's the stigma attached, which I've given myself this. I, I, I don't know about you, but it's like, there's times I want to take a nap. Like there's oh. times I want, well, I mean, no, every day, day I want to take a nap. Every day, yeah, yeah. Okay, let me rephrase. Every stinking day I want to take a nap, okay? Yeah. But very rarely will I ever allow myself to because I, I associate that with, you don't deserve that. It's lazy. There's seven loads of laundry to be done. There's emails to be returned. There's work to be done. You need to do this for the kids, this thing. And, and so it's like, it's like we're, it's, it's just, everything's a battle and it's, we don't do what's best for us. And the mothers are, and again, there's fathers are, are, are so necessary and I'm not diminishing them whatsoever. We need more amazing father figures, yeah. but mothers are the glue of the family. And I think most men and most amazing fathers will even say this. If the mom is off, the family's off. If the yeah. mom's in a bad mood, watch out. I mean, the whole, right? I, I know well, what's I, for me. I find that my mood dictates the family's mood. Absolutely. Like 100%. I mean, my <laughs> mood dictates Doug's mood. Like, yep. we got in a fight one time. And Doug and I, like, really don't fight. But, like, we no, got in a don't. fight. We, like, a fight. I'm using, like, quotation marks, fight. <laughs> we got, like, in a bicker, bickering battle right. one time. Because I was, like, I was in a bad mood. And he, like, at the start, like, he had been in a good mood. So I was, like, okay, good. Like, I need his good mood to, like, help get me out of this, like, funk I'm in, right? Yeah. But, like, within an hour, like, he was in a crap mood. And I'm, like... And I'm like, what? what's wrong with you? And he's like, right. nothing. And I'm like, well, something. Because you were in a good mood, and now you're in a bad mood. And he's like, well, you're in a bad mood. And I'm like, I am in a bad mood. I need you to be in a good mood to get me out of my bad mood. And he's like, well, that's not how it works. Your mood puts me in a bad mood. And I'm like... Can I just have a bad freaking mood one day? Like, and right. can I just have a bad day, like a bad mood day? And you have a good mood day and you pull right. me out of my bad mood. And he's like, no, your mood is everybody's mood. I'm like, ah, that's not fair. Like, it's not, but it's how that's the way it, it works. Is. It's how it that's works. The way it is. That's the way it is. I, and I, you know, 
There's a really good book about rest. It's called um, Sacred Rest. It's by a woman named Sandra Dalton Smith. Everybody should read it. You need to read it, right? Um, yeah. But she talks about like all the different types. She's a therapist. She talks about all the different types of rest. So a lot of times we think mm-hmm. about rest and we're like, oh, yeah, rest, take a nap. But there's all different types of rest. And she's like, if you're deficient in like any of these different types of rest, like it will impact your life. And so she talks about like social rest, right? And of course, like physical rest, but also emotional rest and creative rest, um, sensory rest, right? Like sometimes I know as a mom, like I get touched out by my kids. I'm like, right. okay, I can't, can't touch me anymore. Like I need, <laughs> right. I need 20 minutes without touching. No more touching. You know? Right. Yeah. Um, so like a sensory rest, emotional rest, social rest, spiritual rest. I mean, just there's all these different kinds of rest that she talks about and what they are and why they're so important. And it's a really good book. And um, wow. I just think it's, it's something that everybody should read. And it just kind of yeah. gives you like the permission to rest in all of these different areas and like how you do it and how you can kind of like seek that sanctuary of rest without feeling guilty or without feeling ashamed that you're, right. you know, reaching out for this kind of rest. Um, and I love it. I mean, also really gives you like practical steps and like how to achieve the rest in your life that you really need. I I was just good. I was just looking back at our page. So on the Real Deal of Parenting a couple days ago, we had posted instead of asking, "Have I worked hard enough and run myself into the ground enough as a parent?" We need to start training ourselves to ask, "Have I rested enough to do my most loving?" most meaningful work as a parent. And and I think the majority of us have it backwards. I have it backwards. Like, have I earned my right to rest? Do I feel exhausted enough? Do I feel like I can no longer move for the day? Have right. I run myself into the ground to earn, to deserve the rest? Like, that is the backwards thinking. Mm-hmm. And, and that book, it sounds like, oh my goodness, it does. It sounds like a, a, a must read because... When we're, and just like Abby, when you were talking about going through after having grace and, and going through your postpartum issues, um, not only is it hormonal, I mean, it, it becomes its own monster, but exhaustion itself yes. absolutely is dangerous. And I've gone yes. to the doctor at so many different points over the last 16 years of being a parent where I'm like, there's times I'm driving my vehicle and I don't know where I'm going. I think I was talking to you the other day, Abby. I'm like, I'm going to get my daughter at school and I'm going there. I don't even know where I'm going. (laughs) I'm just so tired. And there's, I think every parent feels that tired every day. Like it's just a way of life. Okay. But when you are, when you are truly exhausted, and you stay there for too long, it becomes dangerous physically, emotionally, spiritually, like every 
facet of your life, it becomes dangerous. Oh yeah. And- I thought I had a brain tumor. I don't know if I told you this. I legitimately thought I had a brain tumor. I see a neurologist for my headaches and yeah. I went to the neurologist one time and I was like, well, I think I have a brain tumor. And she's like, why do you think you have a brain tumor? And I was yeah. like, well, because um, the other day, I was driving on the road, and as I'm driving through this neighborhood, I pulled over because I could not remember what side of the road I was supposed to be driving. <laughs> oh my gosh! And she's like, "What?" <laughs> I was like, "I couldn't remember. Like, I couldn't remember if I was supposed right, to be like, right oh my gosh, or, or the left side of the road. Like, I, I like Quick, just let me pull up a video. I don't know. Like, and I had to wait. I pulled over and yeah. I was like, I don't even know if I'm pulled over on the right side of the road. Like, and I, like I turned, I, oh. I turned onto a road and I was like, I don't know what side I'm supposed to be on. And, right. and I had to wait. I pulled over and I had to wait for another car to come to like make sure I was driving. And this looks weird. And so oh. I, told, I was like, that's only something that would happen to someone who had a brain tumor. Right. And, and so my neurologist is like, she like kind of started laughing and she goes, how much sleep are you getting? Right. And I Let's was like, start there. Um, and it was like when I had the twins. Right. And so I was like, oh, well, I mean, not much. I'm up like breastfeeding babies pretty much all night. And she's <laughs> like, yeah, you don't yeah. have a brain tumor. You just don't get enough sleep. And I was like, right. oh, yeah. I mean, it does. Like, sleep is so important. And we just, it's, our bodies it's, start like kind of adjusting for it. But like, it, it does do something to your mind and like to your health. And I'm sorry, I was wrong. Sandra Dalton Smith is not, she's not a therapist. She's actually an MD, which is part of the, it's part of the book because it's, she comes at it from like a science aspect too, like what it's doing to your body and what it's doing to your health, not just what right. it's doing to your mind. Right. Oh yeah. I mean like the, the, the top athletes, the, the health nutrition freaks that you and I need to be more like, Abby yeah. and I were in this meeting a month or so ago with like a, a panel of like doctors and like this boardroom of like super healthy people talking about all these things. And we text each other. We're like, dude, we're, we're not lasting much longer. Yeah. We're, we're like, we're we do. We're doomed. We're dead soon. We do. We are not healthy people. Why? It's like we're both sipping like Diet Coke or sweet tea from Chick Fil A. Well, <laughs> talking right now. I like a large sweet tea from Chick Fil A. I'm drinking on right now. And all these, all these health things that they do, we don't do, and we do the opposite. But it's yeah. it's so true. Like sleep is critical, and I think that is one of the. Um, the biggest, the biggest things that that we struggle with is is being moms, right? Yeah, um, yeah. and I think support after birth is so important. Like, I yes. mean, I think we need more and more like postpartum doulas just to come and like help moms. I think that's the best gift, honestly, that you can right? give to a new mom is to like. Be like, hey, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give you like two weeks, like 14 days. I mean, I've paid a postpartum doula 
for 14 days of service. So if you need her to come for like, you know, 72 hours, right. And help you, she can stay the night. She can, you know, whatever she can take the baby for three nights in a row. So you can get a good night's sleep. She can watch your other kids during the day so you can rest. She can clean your house. She can do whatever. Like postpartum doulas are amazing. And like buying like a chunk of days, like a certain amount of days that that postpartum doula can come over and help that mom. I mean, yeah, I can say like being a new mom can be really lonely. And, and these moms, like they need support. They need somebody to talk to. They need somebody just to, I mean, I don't know. Like, I just know that when I had grace, you know, you have a lot of people that come over in the beginning, right? Mm -hmm. Everybody wants to see the baby. Everybody wants to love on you. I mean, you're kind of like a second class citizen to the baby. Right, but right. Like, you know, they're like, oh, we want to see the baby. I mean, and you. I mean, you're cute too. Right. But like, they're just there for the baby. Yep. They're just there for the baby, right? And so yeah. everybody's, you have a lot of company, which tires you out, right? But it is like voices in the house and you don't feel right. alone, right? But after a couple of weeks, like everybody leaves, you know? Right. And you're just alone in a house by yourself and your life is nursing a baby, changing a baby, changing, you know, clothes because the baby spit up all over himself, nursing the baby again, changing the baby, maybe getting in a two minute shower in between feedings and changing. And maybe you make yourself like a TV dinner that you want <laughs> right. in the microwave, right? That's yeah. gross. But yeah. you don't, you're yeah. so tired, you don't want to actually warm something up on the stove, you know, or in the oven. And so, like, you're barely just kind of like getting by, right? Like, just surviving. Yeah. yeah. Especially with your first. And you're just lonely and you're just waiting for like your husband to come home from work. You know, you're just waiting for somebody to call and be like, hey, can I come over? Or, hey, you right. want to meet me at Walmart or something? You know, you're like, right. right. I'll do anything. And so I think just like having, you know, paying someone to come over and just like support them through that Yes, time, I love that. That, I just think that's like such a great gift. That's such a great somebody. gift. And, and even like a group like even if you're hosting a baby shower, don't buy them the thousand dollar stroller, right? Right. Like you can right. get a used stroller on Facebook Marketplace for fifty bucks. Right. Like don't do that. Pull your money and buy them something that's actually going to really, really help them at their time of need, and they don't even realize they're going to need it. Yes, I will. love that. I love that so much. And you know, I. To, to piggyback off of that, um, when you're talking about the loneliness after you have a baby and, but yet you just feel like you're constantly running circles and you're always doing something. You know, even now when the kids are older, like Abby and I, our last babies, well, we think our last, our last babies, unless God says otherwise. Please God. Please God. I still feel like I want another one. Oh my gosh, Reagan. But anyways, so our our youngest children. I'm not going to say last babies. Our youngest my children, last baby, our my last baby, our baby boys. 
and they're four. And so, so, and I still call KJ my baby, but, um, there's times that I still feel lonely and I'll have, and again, due to, especially my older kids and their sports schedule and, and everything, I don't, I don't do a lot with friends. I don't show up to a lot of parties or, you know, get, you know, the other day, my friend's like, come out on the boat with me, like leave the kids for three hours. Just like, let's just go out on the lake together. And that literally, that sounded so amazing just to have girl time with my friend for three hours on the lake. And I couldn't do it. I I, I couldn't do it because of, of what I had with my kids. But, but I've noticed, I've also told some of my friends, I've seen them doing things without me or having this gathering or going there. And I'm like, but you didn't invite me. And they're like, but you always say no, Reg. Oh my gosh. I hate that. Right? And I'm like, but still, because one time I might say yes. I'm like, still invite me, please. Because you still want to feel loved. You still want to feel important. And even though a nine out of 10 chance, I probably can't come. <laughs> like 9.5 out of 10, maybe. Oh I God. still yes. want to be invited, you know? I feel the same exact way. I'm like, I see my friends like out doing something. I'm like, what the heck? Like, and then I'm like, and then I'm all up in my feelings. I'm like, my friends don't like me. My friends hate me. (laughs) And then, and then like, I'll say, I'm like, oh, I saw y'all like went to dinner and they're like, yeah, we figured you probably couldn't come. So we did. You're probably in another state speaking somewhere. Yeah. They're like, (laughs) oh yeah, we knew. You know, you were probably traveling. I'm like, well, you still could have asked. Like, I don't ever say yeah. that, but I'm just like, I'm thinking right. like, oh, maybe. Or sometimes I'm like, oh, I don't think I was. I think I was at home sitting alone. Doing nothing. With my right. kid. I was doing nothing. Just watching y'all's pictures pop up on my Facebook, wishing I was doing something. Right. I was doing nothing. <laughs> but it's... It's so true. So even past the newborn phase, it's like, and sometimes, or a lot of the time, I know I personally need to be a better friend. I need to be more intentional because goodness, even friends with just teenagers, it's just like a whole new, my gosh. I mean, my three, I have teenager, well, Abby and I both, we have teenagers, we have tweens. We have what preteens, we have all the way to toddlers. And yeah. it's like every little level is its own, like different hormonal, different energy, different. It's like, check in, like, ask me if I'm okay, you know? And yeah. same with my family. And, and my family and I were in different states. But I always feel like I'm the one checking in. And they're like, but Reg, you're the busiest person I know. We don't want to bother you. I'm like, but I'll respond when I'm able to respond. I won't pick up if I can't pick up. But I'm like, it. I still want you to check in. I know I'm busier than you, but I still need you to check in. I still need to see a text. I'm just thinking of you, you know? And so I feel like, I feel like if God puts somebody on our hearts, if they, if he's putting them in our mind, take, take 13 seconds and shoot them a text. Do you know what I mean? It's so, yeah. and I need to be better about it. I need to do better. Um, uh, and it's just like, gosh. it's funny too, because like when you do that, a lot of times, like I'll, somebody like will just pop in my head and I'm like, mm, I'm going to shoot them a quick text. So like I'll text them 
And I'll be like, hey, just you came to mind, just said a quick prayer for you. And like, it's crazy because then, like, they'll message me back and they'll be like, oh my gosh, I am going through the worst thing right now. Like, thank you so much for, like, I can't believe, like, you know, I can't believe I came to mind because I am in the middle of something really hard right now or whatever, you know? And so it's like crazy. I just think that's like the Holy Spirit just, you know, prompting you, like, hey, this person is really going through it right now. Like you need to be praying for them, you know, right. Right. Like, remember, remember them, like keep them at, at the front of your mind. And I think that, I think that happens all the time. Yes, I, 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 I agree. And I think the, you know, is, as, as we kind of move into the last portion of this podcast, I think the other, critical thing we all need to do is we need to try to embrace, we need to try to, I mean, I know you and I try to do this, but we need to try to bring back some realness, like some, some reality on social media, right? Mm -hmm. We like, we have to, because it is just it's depressing when you look around and you see everybody filtered and you see everybody perfect and they have their perfect marriage and their kids are perfect and their home is perfect. And, and again, of course I'm being sarcastic, right? Um, because that's not even close to the case, but I am telling you humility opens more doors than anything else will. Humility. I swear, I swear by it. It opens more doors than anything else will. And, and that doesn't mean that, that you can't celebrate, um, the blessings in your life. Abby, I know your, uh, your hubby and I have had a conversation about this before. Doug and I had talked where, um, and this was maybe six months ago, maybe it was a year ago, but he was just like, Greg, I'm so blessed right now. He's like, I literally every day, I, I have so much joy. Abby and I are great. Our kids are great. He's like, I'm just happy. Like life is so great for us. And he's like, I'm, he's like, I shouldn't be afraid to share that happiness and those blessings yeah. and that I'm just joyful. And I have a really good marriage with my wife. So, so I'm not saying that. So because we need that, we need to see, wow, this really exists, you know? So I'm not saying to, you sh- we should be hiding our blessings or hiding our joy because God knows we need more of that too. But I think when, when we're brave enough and confident enough to be like, I'm kind of sinking right now. And this is a really sucky hard week for me. And parenting in this season is exhausting and uh, I'm losing my mind. You know what I mean? I think it's, it's important that we do that. So people, don't feel alone because 80, 90% of the other people coming across your, your posts are, are, have gone through it or they are going through something similar. Well, I think it's, I think it's the difference between like, yes, it's, I, I think it's the difference between like, yeah, we, we want to talk about the good things that God has given us in our life, right? We want right. to like praise him for, we want to praise sure. him through the good and the bad, right? Yeah. right. Um, so we don't want to be like fair weather fans of, of right. Fans, right? right. Um, <laughs> we love him when things are good. We love him when You're things right. are bad, you know? Right, right, um, yeah. 
And so I think it's totally fine to share like when we feel like we're in a, a real like season of blessings. But yeah, I think what you're saying is like we also live in this world of like fake. Right. You know, where people yeah. they need to pretend like they have everything together in their lives. They never face any problems. There's never any, you know, concern or anything like that. And that's just not reality. And, you know, I think we've talked about this. Like, (laughs) there's one thing I can say about myself is that people who follow me or know me or anything like that, they have seen me go through it. Like in the past 14 years of me being, you know, outside of Planned Parenthood and, you know, they have watched me go through my healing journey, the good, the bad, and the ugly of it, right? I have not kept that hidden. I have not kept the hard parts of that hidden. They've seen me screw up. They've seen me say the wrong things, do the wrong things, support the wrong things. They've seen all of that, right? Right. And... And I wouldn't take that back. Uh, I wouldn't do that over again because I think that it makes me more real. I think it makes, I think that vulnerability makes me more available to people. Um, And I don't, I don't want to be a person where people look at me and they, and I think there's a lot of people like this where they look at me and they go, oh yeah, well, you know, I like her book and I like her story. But I don't really know anything about her. You know, right. I don't really know anything about her personal life. I mean, I know she's married, I know she has eight kids, but I don't know what areas she struggles in. I yeah. don't I don't know anything, you know, about her real like personal life. And I think that it's just really important, especially nowadays, that we're just very open about who we are. I mean, especially if you're gonna be in public. I mean, everybody sure. has a right to be private and, and whatever, but, right. um, you know, Doug, when he was struggling with his alcohol addiction, like he was just like, I'm just going to be really open about this. And, and because of it, like so many people, he's been able to really use that as kind of like a, a ministerial opportunity. Sure. You know, people now come to him and they're like, Hey, I'm struggling too. Like, can you help me, you know, walk through this? Um, difficult journey. And he's like, yeah, absolutely. I just think that it's part of that community. We're yes. not meant to do these things alone. We're not meant to go through hardship alone, you know, and we're not right. meant to feel alone. And we're really not because there's no. so many other people going through the same things that we're going through. We're just not saying it. We're not exactly. Exactly. And, 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 and I've always said this and I'll, I'll keep saying it. Stories like yours, Abby, are the ones that absolutely change lives because so many people feel so lost. They feel so trapped in sin. They feel so stuck in a job, a, 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 a bad job, a, a, a bad marriage. They feel st- trapped, stuck. I, there's no way out, right? And um, and with God, anything is possible. And so I feel like your vulnerability. We always, you and I have joked about this. 
no one, there's no skeletons in your closet because you've aired no. them all. <laughs> you've thrown every skeleton yeah. out of that closet. <laughs> no it was funny. Gonna- so when Unplanned, when the, movie, when the movie Unplanned came out, my publicist was like, okay, listen, if there is anything <laughs> that you have not told me that right. like you've done in the past or like anything that you need to tell me that right. you think could come out, like just put tell it out me there. Now. Tell me. Yeah. Because, so that I can like start, you know, just the, it may not come out, Thanks but safe. just in yeah. case it does, like just tell yeah. me now. So yeah. I can start working through, you know, like how we're going to manage it if it does yeah. come out. And I was just like, I just, I just told her, I just looked at her and I was like, Christina, literally every single thing I have <laughs> like ever done that would be bad right. is out there. I mean, right. like I, and that's free. I, I just, Isn't yeah, that free? It is. Like there's it's nothing. Free. It's like Satan can't out. have that grip on you. No. It's like I've I've put it out there. I've done it. I've acknowledged it. I've asked God for forgiveness. I'm living in repentance. God's mercy is endless. And it's like that is what changes people. I'm serious. It's those stories. It's not looking at that person and oh my gosh, they're so holy. And they've been holy their whole life and and it's like, and that's that great. Just, like and that's that great. Right. Like, well, that's great. Right. Like, but it, that's but awesome. it makes it. But it makes the average person feel so defeated already. Like I can't. Yeah. I can't. I, I can't be like that. I went to adoration two nights ago. I spent an hour in adoration, and I met with a priest after. Um, just he's he's kind of become a spiritual director of mine too, and I was just crying, and I just felt so down about myself and I'm like, I'm striving to be holier. I'm striving to be a better woman and a better mother. And I said, I don't feel like I'm getting there. Like I am like, I just, you know, so I'm listing, I'm like all my flaws and every week when I'm showing up to church and I'm going to confession, I feel like I'm confessing the same things that I'm like, I know most people just look at the commandments, but I'm like, I look at the seven deadly sins. And I said, I feel like I struggle with them all. I feel like I struggle with every single one of them. And after I'm like listing all the negative things about me, right? Like I'm just crying and telling the priest I'm not getting better. And he's like, Reagan, you're already moving in holiness because you're, you're acknowledging all these things. You know, you're clawing to just try to be better. And he's like, it's even biblical. The just man falls seven times a day, you know? And so I think it's important to also have perspective. Because if if we weren't going to fall and have a little few missteps, why would we need God, mm-hmm. right? That's why we yeah. need Him. And so I think it's, and I know we, I, I've, I've kind of jumped there, but but it's stories like yours. So much of my story is out there too that I've you know really humbly put out, and so many mistakes. But that is what moves people, and that's what literally ignites other other people's souls to be like, okay, that might even be worse than my situation. If they can claw through it and they can get through it, I can. If there's hope for them, there's hope for me. And that is how that is that is how it's like Romans 828. God can use our bad for good. He really, he really can. And that's what you know, I think kind of ending on that, that's what we all have to cling to, especially 
my gosh, especially in today's world. And I mean, you can't scroll too far without seeing some terrorizing, just disheartening things. I mean, I could just go cry cry in a closet all day. Um, So it's what we have to cling to, especially being mothers, raising children in today's times. I mean, we are here for a purpose. There's sometimes I'm like, God, why did you choose me in this time period to bring babies into this world? Like, what were you thinking? But he purposefully did that. And so any other parent right now who is feeling angry and scared out of their mind and confused and exhausted, I mean, feel good that out of any other time period, God chose us specifically right, you know, right now. And well, so I think this is an exciting time, actually. It is. Like, it's an exciting time. Like, people are like dreading. They're like, oh, I don't want to have a baby right now. It's such a terrible time. I'm like, why would you not? These times of turmoil, like these times of difficulty when our society is kind of, you know, flippy floppy, upside down, all this. Yeah. That is always the time when God has raised up saints. Yes. This is a beautiful time to be alive. This is the time where we really teach our children the foundations of our faith. This is when our faith really, really matters, right? This is when we become the best apologist for what we believe for Jesus Christ. This is a great time to be alive. This is a great time to, to raise our children. And so, you know, we shouldn't have fear as we're raising our kids. We should not have fear as Christians, you know? Um, and so, and we should not, you know, have that shame. I mean, no matter, you know, what's in our past, no matter what we've done, there really isn't any shame because God has dealt with it already. Yep. And I think we spend so much of our lives thinking about about sin that God has Dwelling. already forgotten about. Dwelling, yeah. Right? It's, it's essentially like, like a slap in God's face, thinking yeah. his mercy can't cover our sin. That's well, how I've pride. had to look at it. It's yeah. pride. Yeah. Like, and, and so we're like, we're like, oh, I just can't stop thinking about all this stuff I did, you know, in the past. And, yeah. and, but we've already repented of it. We've already confessed right. it and God's already yeah. forgotten about it. So we're sitting here like worrying about something that God doesn't even remember. Exactly. And like, how foolish is that? Fool- what you a know? waste of time. That's, that's it's what such Satan a waste wants. Of time. And like, I remember one time these people that didn't like me, they like made this picture of me. It was Photoshopped and it was a picture of my face and it looked like I was flipping somebody off. Okay. Uh-huh. In this picture. <laughs> and I busted out laughing when I saw it because I, I knew it was Photoshopped, but <laughs> I laughed and I like, I ended up emailing them and just saying like, listen, there is out there somewhere pictures of you <laughs> flipping people off. You so could have just probably, pulled a real one. You could have just gotten a real one or just asked me. I probably have one somewhere. I mean, I flipped lots of people off. I could have given you a better Marilyn. quality. Right. I, I flipped the protesters off. I flipped the people praying. Off. I, you know, people praying right, outside of my right. clinic. I flipped them off every day. I'm right. sure there's a photo image there's of that somewhere. There are right. much worse photos of me out there somewhere. I'm sure on Bourbon Street right. or wherever. <laughs> you can get them. I mean, if you dig a little bit, you really don't have don't to Photoshop things. People. <laughs> I mean, it's just like, guys, like, yeah. 
you don't have to be ashamed of your right. past. Like right. God knows what it is. Be honest, be upfront, and let God do something amazing with yes. with who you have been, right? And yes. and let that let that sin in in your past, right? Shape your parenting for today. And that's that's kind of, you know, that's how I'm I'm like using everything I did back then. I'm like, okay, what do I want to do different now for my kids? You know, how do I want to use that of my past to talk to my kids about these, to have these difficult conversations with my kids, to talk about these tough subjects with my kids? Because I have got amazing parents, but it was a different time and they didn't talk to me about those sorts of things. So how can I use these things to talk, you know, to my kids now? And I'm very open about the things that I did, you know, with, with my daughter is 16. She knows I've had two abortions. She knows I've, you know, was, you know, with different men in college. She knows that I was drunk all the time. She knows all these things. She knows that I, you know, smoked pot and did all this kind of, she knows that. And so I'm like, I'm not going to hide that from her. I'm going to tell her, I'm going to be honest so that, you know, she can ask honest questions. And, and so, you know, I can tell her like straight up, this is how it was. This is why I don't want you to do it. Right. You know, this is the reality. This is what's going to be pushed in your face. This is what people are going to tell you it's like. This is what it's really like. And this is how it can derail your life. Like it derailed my life. You know, these sinful decisions that you make can change the trajectory of your life like it did mine. So let's be honest. Let's have the conversation. Let's be open. Because parents... If you're not having these conversations with your kids, somebody else is going to have that conversation. So it might as well be you. And if you have this in your past, who better to talk to your kids than you? And so that's kind of my challenge to you today as we, you know, wrap this up. Have the hard conversations, start having those awkward conversations if you haven't now. If you pray for God to organically, you know, make a, an opening, kind of a gateway for you to start having these, these difficult talks with your kids, he will make an opening. But then when he makes an opening, you have to walk through that gate. You have to walk through that door and follow through and have those, have those discussions. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it does, it, it requires some humility. You know, oh, again, yeah. I've, I've had, I've had talks with, I mean, with my four older children and it's exposing a lot of my not so finer moments and a lot of yeah. my worst sins, but I think it is crucial. And at first it was like, you know, they're blushing, I'm kind of blushing and they're like, wait, mom did that. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, mom did do that. And, you know, and they're trying to process and I'm like, yeah. I'm you know, they're asking questions and I'm answering them, but it's, it's so important. It's just so important to be, especially, especially in these times we're living in. I, I couldn't agree more. So I, again, you and I, I, I love concrete. I love call to actions. And so I feel like depending upon what age, ages your kiddos are, start having some really 
open discussions with them. And, yeah. and, and you know, and make it biblical. Like, pull out the Word of God and find, yes. like, yeah. if you're talking, you know, if you're talking about abortion with your kid, pull out the Word of God. What does the Word of God say about the unborn? What does the, God, what does the Word of God say about creation, creating man? You know, what does he say about the sanctity of human life? There's lots in there, you know, that you yeah. can talk to your kids. If you're talking about, you know, homosexuality or, um, you know, the transgender movement, which is everywhere, and you should be talking everywhere. to your kids about that. Um, you know, pull out, pull out the word of God. What is, you know, what does the Bible say about homosexuality? There, there are scriptures about, you know, um, men being with women and women being with men and men not laying with other men. That's in the Bible. Right. Um, the Bible says it's an abomination. Um, you know, and, and what does it say about men being made for women? Right. I mean, that's yes. all in the Bible. So, you know, what is, what does that say? Um, you know, I always think that when I'm talking to my kids about these hard things, I always, it's not just about what is mom's opinion. This is like, right. what does God say? Yes. Right. Yes. That's, that's yes. where I want their foundation to be rooted in. It's not like, well, what did my mom tell me when I was 12? No. You're right. What did God say about this? That's yes. what I want them to remember. That's what I want them to know. Because if they know what God says, then hopefully, that will give them a better foundation for when they are challenged later in life, they can go yeah. back to that scripture. Yes. And, and, and they, won't, they won't stray from that. And, and just the very last thing I want to say, again, when Abby and I get on our soapboxes and we really go to town on some, some very controversial issues on our, on our public platforms, 99.9% .9 of the time, it is never Abby's opinion or Reagan's opinion. It is not subjective. It is truth. It is absolute truth. It is God's word. And so my biggest thing is for all of, for all of the believers listening, for all of our Christian friends, stop tiptoeing to appease other people when it's going against God's word. Stop trying to not offend someone because you might ruffle their feathers. You might hurt their feelings. If it's God's word, it's not your opinion. We need more bold, honest parents rising up, willing to take some heat, willing to take some bullets for, mm -hmm. for God's truth, because your kids need to see that. And so stand tall, stand with your head held high when you are speaking his truth. Do not apologize ever for it. Mm -hmm. <sighs> Well, this has been great. It's been a great yes. um, first podcast, and we are just excited to bring you additional content. We are going to be talking about some, you know, some hard subjects. We're going to be talking about bullying and, um, you know, what does the future look like if we uh, go back to lockdowns and, um I mean, we're not going to be locking. We're not going to be yes. locking down, but um, <laughs> not that we know, really did the first time, Abby. Or yeah, no, we we did it. <laughs> we um, didn't participate, but, <laughs> but we, you know, we are going to talk about what it, what did that look like for our yep. kids? Um, just some like hard data on that. Um, yeah. You know, we, we want to talk about some hard, some some difficult topics, um, and then you know how you know how did we talk to our kids about it? 
um, and and even get some input from you guys. Um, we want to hear from you, and so we'll make a way for that to happen. And so we're just really excited um, yes. about this first season, and you're going to get to hear more from us, and and um, just you'll get to know more about our personalities and how we are uh, very different. Maybe we'll do our. They will do our ice in the hand challenge again. That really, <laughs> the Sets ice in the hand apart. challenge really shows the vast <laughs> personality difference between me and Reagan. We did this on our show, our live show on our page one time. And oh my glory. It, we need to do that again. That is so funny. That yeah. actually is quite or humiliating maybe, for me. Maybe we'll just do like maybe we'll just prick your finger one day on the say, show. I've also listen, y'all. I've pushed out five babies naturally, and if I get a finger prick, sometimes she, I'm on the ground. She's <laughs> on the ground. She like cannot. I'm like Reagan. How I'm like I'm gonna pass out. I'm gonna pass out. Yeah. She was like, she pricked her finger for like a, like a, a allergy blood. test, like an yeah, at home yeah. allergy uh-huh. test. And I get this like video oh. from her, like from her daughter, Kendall. And Reagan's on the floor. She's sweating, like, sweating profusely. I'm sweating. I'm going to pass out, y'all. I'm going to pass out. And I'm like, what did she do? And Kendall's like, we just pricked her finger for the allergy test. I'm like, yeah. oh my God. It's true. It's true. Yeah. <laughs> Reagan is so. Um, Abby she, could be awake for like surgery and she'd be like, all right, are we, all, are we wrapping this up yet? <laughs> like stitch me up. I got to go somewhere. Stitch me up. Right. I got places yeah. to be. Yeah. I've got a flight to catch. I've got a place to speak at. But oh no, God, this is going to be, this funny. is going to be so much fun as we give you like a true, like inside peek at who we really are. Yes. So, yes. I mean, so, I have control issues. Reagan has issues with choking she's very scared people are going to choke all the time so it's you're going to see really who we are and and what we're about our so, little quirks yes. yeah our, our funny little quirks um so yeah so we're so just excited thank you for listening um our our next episode is i don't know what i don't know what it's going to be about are we going to do the bullying episode next i think i think bullying and, is next which yeah, is okay we both have stories prevalent. about that from our kids. So, um, yeah, so we'll, that'll probably be the next episode, but we're going to talk about all kinds of things, porn, how it affects our kids. Um, just all the controversial stuff. stuff that, that yeah. the other moms out there don't want to be talking about. So yeah. we're going to, we're, we're going to hit got those. It. We're we've doing got you. We got you, boo. <laughs> so, um, so thank you for listening. Thank you for tuning in. We will, um, We will be with you again next week. And until then, get out there and raise your little saints. In a recent survey, parents reported that 52% of homeschooled children need learning accommodations. These parents need practical advice, encouragement, and hope to fuel their homeschooling efforts. The Empowering Homeschool Conversations podcast is where parents gain wisdom on how to teach unique learners successfully at home, like Laura, who recently told us, I needed this episode. I don't need a fancy curriculum or need to be a special ed teacher to teach my son. You have given me hope. To listen now, go to Life Audio or search Empowering Homeschool Conversations on your favorite podcast app.